Hi and welcome to Dynamics Update. This will actually be, you could say this will be the last episode of the summer, but it's actually going to be released in the middle of the summer. So when we, me and Gustav, are on vacation, you will be listening to this episode in your uh, on the beach hammock. or, or the beach, hammock hopefully. or wherever. So uh, we can have some vacation. So that means that when you're back at back at the office after summer, that's also okay. perfectly okay. Yeah, that's okay, and and that's sort of the thought here. We know that we are a bit late in in discussing 10.0.35 since it's probably already out by the time you listen <laughs> to this. But on the other hand, you have had vacation, so you have probably not implemented it yet. So it might be useful anyway. No, and if you're like me and you want and work mainly out of Sweden, um, the summer holidays really kick in and provide a change stop for most organizations. Or so um, no one is either. Everyone is going really, really late into the updates or nothing is happening. It's always interesting to work in, in global projects where <laughs> when you come from Sweden, it's like, yeah. And then in end of June, everyone just exits and they're, they're <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> We have a full month to work. No, no, we don't. <laughs> and, <laughs> we have a full month to be free. <laughs> we have a full month, or exactly. Now it's really like stretching into August as well. So in, in like in effect, you don't have a 100% efficient organization until September 1st. So from between like midsummers, June 23rd and, and September 1st, that's where you might be lacking someone from your organization. Especially it's, it's, if you have people in the project that has parental leave as well, because then you're screwed. <laughs> then you're screwed. But that's all. That's more like one or two people. Uh, more commonly here, it's like everyone has just yep. disappeared. <laughs> so yep. it's always interesting. So hopefully uh, you're listening to this um, while enjoying a day at the beach, or when you are back at the office, ready to start your testing for version 35 or maybe 36 once we're back then. Yes. So, uh, I guess you will get started today. Thank you. What an honor. Um, so, yeah, my favorite topic, as always, is commerce. And there's always like fun stuff coming to the commerce platform. I, I got stuck on one of them here, which is the um, on behalf of ordering, uh, which is basically... It leverages of the commerce, uh, the e-commerce framework, or the website, B2B website, uh, where you can allow an account manager to sign in to an e-commerce on behalf of buyers that they work with. And this is not like, this is a very common scenario, uh, like a traveling salesman scenario, where you log in as that and you help them basically to place the order. And this is really, um, I've been at the, in this scenario many times before, at like smaller retailers where you have you really have the traveling salesman pitch here and, and they, they travel around and they show the catalog. And then in many cases, they also need to assist in placing an order. And this really helps out in that, in that regard. And it's also interesting, I think, because it removes maybe the need for certain like dual rights scenarios where we, where you would have to push your catalog to CRM and have price lists sync, etc. You could just as well just have the salespeople log on to the B2B. So it's, not saying one scenario is better than the other. I'm just saying that, that it's possible to to leverage that scenario using e-commerce. If you're only going to use CRM as a sales tool for placing orders, then maybe look into this scenario as well. If it's if it suits your need, it might be worth looking into at least. Yes, I'll also start off with uh, commerce actually, and I learned a new uh, concept today. The concept of uh, asynchronous customer orders. Uh, actually, I, I did 
realize that I knew what it was once you were so kind to explain it to me. <laughs> uh, because I had actually, I have actually set up this a long time ago with a customer who needed retail, but who had them spread out over multiple locations. So we needed mm. to have the channel database available for for different um, locations and so on. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to explain to all of the people that uh, like need didn't understand it, it, it has to do with the fact that when you place an order from a POS system, it ends up in a channel database and eventually it will get synced up into FNO. And once it's in FNO, there will be a, a real customer order created. But up until that time, there isn't actually a customer order in the ERP system. Um, that meant previously that you had to have the sync job run in order to be able to cancel the order and, and refund the money. Uh, but in this case, uh, you can actually cancel the order before it's synced to FNO. So it's, it's canceled even before it happened. And uh, that means that you can actually, if the customer changes their mind once they're in, when they are in the store, you can actually give them the money back right away and, and yeah, cancel. Yeah. And I mean, it takes away a, a fringe scenario, I would guess, where, where you take in the customer order and, and you don't have connectivity for any reason to back end. So the order cannot be created and then you're essentially locked out. And if you're in a physical store, that might create a, a bad customer experience that's saying, oh, I'm sorry, I can't refund you. Uh, <laughs> you Come you back tomorrow. To please. Sorry, we have to take your money. <laughs> Come back tomorrow. Exactly. So that's a nice thing to be able to do. Um, and I'm not sure, maybe some people run the async order creation jobs outside of business hours or something. I'm not sure. So it's a nice possible feature to or yeah, feature to um, to use to alleviate these scenarios. Um, because asynchronous is, is good from a performance standpoint. Yes. Yes. So what's your next one? All right, uh, my next one is another favorite topic of mine, electronic invoicing. Um, I think we touched upon this in previous episodes as well. I mean, I know we touched upon the e-invoice add-in itself, uh, and now what is coming is the, the French e-invoice integration with Chorus Pro. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, and basically, it's the same set of like, um, uh, patterns and tools for the Saudi Arabia integration, and the number of... Um, of legal entities, uh, countries basically, uh, Europe specifically, are implementing um, laws stating that you have to use these um, electronic invoicing, like centralized electronic invoicing services. Uh, it's to prevent black market or black money, of course. Um, but um, and it it just seems very very. Um, a strong mandate here to just enforce all systems. You have to send a copy or have to get the clearance from this centralized system. Uh, but there it is. And and what what was released here was specifically the French e-invoice integration with Chorus Pro. But it seems to cover just reading reading on it, uh, reading up on it. I haven't um, tested this myself, but uh, it is supposed to have end-to-end um, -end solution of covering what is needed to integrate with Chorus Pro, but it's worth mentioning that the uh, it requires the electronic e invoice add-in, as far as I understand, uh, which also comes with an additional add-on license fee. So make sure to to read up on that before going all in um, 
because it does you, you have to license it per like a set of invoices so if you have thousands and thousands of invoices every month um, just make sure that you understand the licensing model before before implementing it yep all right so uh, my ne next one has to do with supply chain and it it is it has to do with wandering um, <laughs> as you might know uh, LCS is being deprecated. It's not happening tomorrow, so don't worry, you will have time. But eventually, LCS will be uh, completely removed, which means that a source of telemetry that we've had before will be removed. And the change here is that uh, <clears throat> Microsoft is implementing applications in insights instead of LCS. And, and that's nice because that's... Uh, centralized Azure service where we can uh, not only collect telemetry data, but we can also um, report on telemetry data. We can create reports and, and pipelines and stuff. That means that we can use the data in different ways to understand how our solution is working, when we had out this and, and so on. <clears throat> and the feature that I'm talking about right now is for the warehouse management uh, solution, uh, which gets a whole lot of telemetry um, sensors right now, where we can actually create the information. We can we can actually detect information and, and outages and and uh, slow running queries and so on uh, in the uh application and in the warehouse application as well so you will be able to figure out why it's running slow and what makes it slow and so on and as i said this might not be exciting if you're not using <laughs> warehouse but uh it it will be very exciting because it will eventually come to all the different aspects of the application including like the point of sale solution and and so on so um, i i think this is really really good because uh we we will actually be able to get some insight in what's happening with the solution and in the system yeah it makes total sense i mean it's a, it's a really a cool list of of events that uh, you can subscribe to here and of course now application insights is something that i you would need to pay for yourself right um whereas in lcs it was kind of included in the license um i just hope that there is not like a disconnect between shutting down lcs and getting all of these um events for areas that we need to work with like post for instance and commerce etc uh, because it, it is really cool i mean there's just a long list of, of events that you can subscribe to and you, that you can investigate and really tailor your monitoring um, capabilities to your needs rather than looking for the needle in the haystack which kind of can be the, the thing with when using LCS because you get a lot of data. You need to be sure about what you're actually looking for. Um, so it's really cool. And it, it's clear that they are releasing more and more per version. Um, and I, I'm not sure if it's only warehousing now. I, it might be there for other areas as well. I have, just haven't seen it. Do you know? There, there are some sensors for the, the uh, core application as well. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's been out for a while. I, I've actually set it up in, in our environment, and it, it does, does give us especially like uh, simpler ones where we talk about latency in the web application and so on. And okay. That's fairly available and simple already now. 
Yeah. Uh, but I would also like to play sort of a devil's advocate here and say that <laughs> the problem right now is that there is actually a disconnect at the moment because a lot of the troubleshooting uh, tools that that used to be available in in LCS has unfortunately already been deprecated. So in order to not get people yelling at us because we haven't told them this, <laughs> um, as I said application is insight is where it's going to happen going forward um but uh, unfortunately i think that we we still have some time to go for, to have a, a complete setup in in application insights but yeah. um i'm looking forward to it for one and and from that point uh, you need to like set up your own monitoring as well to to uh, like work with what you get right because uh, what you get is like a lot of telemetry. Uh, you need to be, you need to understand how to work with it as well. So it will take some time. So the sooner you get started, the better, I would say. But uh, it's really interesting, and it's it's clear. I agree. It's clear that that is the way to. This is the way <laughs> to go um, when building monitoring capabilities moving forward. Yeah, and and I think that's a good point that you have there because looking at LCS, LCS had a couple of very clear scenarios. This is how we do things. This is what we monitor. This is how it works. Uh, Applications Insights is not really that. Application Insights is just collecting a lot of telemetry and you need to figure out what you would like to look at. Yeah, Uh, and I mean, Microsoft is already collecting this this telemetry to to help out with supporting. So it it just makes sense to give it to us as well. Yeah, uh, it's just that you need to spend some time getting to know it, and and using if you're already using application insights, you can um, hopefully get help from people who've been working with it for a while. For in other scenarios, this is just a new set of events that you need to understand. Yes, and and I would like to point out as well that there is already a connection to like a data lake for application yeah. insights. So the problem before was that you had telemetry, but you had it for like. Maximum of thirty days, I think. Yeah. Now you can have telemetry back to forever, which yeah. means that you can actually follow trends in a completely different way that you were used to be able to do before. Yeah. So the sooner you get started building your massive, massive amounts of telemetry, the better. Yes. <laughs> yes. All the data lakes will fill up. <laughs> yep. It's good more we have fabric da- soon. Right? More data lakes for the people. Okay. More data lakes for the people. Yep. So what's uh, what's your next item? Um, yeah, I can, speaking of warehouse, uh, a lot of fun stuff coming in, in warehouse this uh, this release. It's clear it kind of balances out. Sometimes you don't get that much in finance; you get a lot in supply. Um, one of my favorite, or maybe not favorite, but location directives. We've been speaking about those as well before. Uh, what this is is basically um, a set of functionality within warehousing where you can tell or you set up rules saying that okay when you're trying to do uh, put away for instance when you're receiving something you have a location directive for let's say dangerous goods because you want to store dangerous goods in a specific set of the warehouse or physical location of the warehouse so you tell the system that okay any item that has this designation uh, falls under this category so you can only select from this set of locations when you're trying to put it somewhere and those are location directives it's really really helpful to to drive optimal planning and, and like setup of the warehouse because you want to put 
stuff that you uh, have a high turnover on you want to put them as close as possible from from like the picking location there's a whole science here of, of how to do things i'm not maybe maybe not the best i can implement them technically uh, and this has been there for quite a while it's been there from 2012 as well um, but what is coming now is an optimization of the location directive queries tool it's a mouthful, but what it does, um, there has been changes to the data model, uh, specifically the on-hand data model, where a lot of stuff that previously had to be joined from the, the favorite table inventory dimensions um, earlier, like inventory dimensions, now resides like explicitly. It's been denormalized, you could say, um, that they reside explicitly on the invent sum table, leading to an increase in performance because it it removes the need to perform database joins. Um, and that, that's one scenario. But what this tool does is that it runs through your set of location directive and suggests where it can be optimized to improve performance. Because I've, God knows I've spent a lot of hours debugging and finding out issues with performance. Uh, we had one where like the whole warehouse was standing still because of how these location directives, it's basically just kernel translated SQL queries going to the database. And if you have a lot of locations and you have a lot of, if you set them up wrong, you can create havoc uh, or you can, you can create a lot of performance issues using these location directives. So it's very helpful to have these tools. Um, and basically what this does is basically ensure that you're up to speed, that you're actually leveraging off the performance gain that you can use if, uh, if you have a late enough version. Um, there are some um, some warnings here too, and this is like this is a warning that should apply to everything. Always run it first on UAT, um, of course. But specifically, what it does, it it flushes some cache when you run the tool. Uh, it flushes the, them from all application object servers, so anything will run slower while this query, um, this little tool, does its trick. So ensure to run it first in UAT, and whenever you run it in production, if you if you do, then um, ensure to run it off hours if you can. Um, but if you're using location directives, uh, you should absolutely look into this. Yep, that's so cool. Uh, so my uh, actually final one um, has to do with something that you mentioned right now, and it has to do with troubleshooting and supporting. So one of the things when you look in FNO and in AX is that you can quite easily see who is logged on uh, if they're using like a client, if they're using a warehouse application, if they're using a POS application, you can actually see, actually see their session. Mm -hmm. But uh, from a warehouse perspective, it's a bit harder to understand what they are actually doing at the moment. So one thing that's coming in the next version is something called Inspect Detail of Active Warehouse Management Mobile App Sessions. Mouthful. Um, <laughs> that means that you will actually be able to look into the session. You will be able to look and see what the person is actually doing at the moment. So if they are, for instance, scanning a license plate, mm. uh, you will actually see that they are working with the license plate. You will see the license plate number. You will see a lot of other uh, information about the app. And you will also be able to see which, uh, which warehouse they're in, which uh, legal entity they're in, what, what the user is, what uh, language they're using, and, and uh, some system things as well, like direct, 
device ID and environment ID and tenant ID and so on. So uh, I think this is really cool because understanding what someone is doing when you're trying to support them instead of having to like be on site or have some remote desktop solution being able to see their screen and so on this is this is a way where you can actually see what's going on which is really nice it's very cool Right, uh, so my next one is a little bit on the same subject. It seems that we are getting a lot of new possibilities and ways to to investigate and analyze how we work and how we can optimize and how we can find the little um, bottlenecks in the system and and bottlenecks in processes. And and another new favorite topic of mine that that it's a lie because I I don't have the time I really want to uh, invest in this, but it's process mining. Yeah, and most of you know what that is, but basically it's like analyzing what you actually do and trying to find bottlenecks in your processes, processes um, where you can use in this specific scenarios for warehouse. Uh, so it's coming as a part of this of uh, version thirty five, where you can configure warehouse uh, material movement processes. So you basically you set up an export or recording of the material movement processes within Dynamics. It's um, in the warehouse management setup menu, process mining, um, and you configure a recurrence cadence where you say either once per day or once a week, you refresh a lot of staging tables and you get these templates into the process advisor um, component of Power Automate. Um, So you can like template and load uh, task mining and process mining capabilities within Power Automate. So it's a really, it seems to me, and I'm going to try this out, uh, it seems to me like a very good like starting point to understand the strengths and, and the capabilities of using Pro- Process Advisor. And at the same time, if you are using material movement in, in your warehouse, it makes sense to try this out because then you can see how how the the goods move. And if I'm guessing here, if you have actually have a like a physical layout map of the warehouse, you can plot out the locations um, and see how the material moves and how it's been moving over a period of time and use that data to identify and really visualize your processes. Uh, and it's just really, really cool, I think. Um, and um, uh, it's a lot of new tools to use. I mean, if you're coming from a Dynamics ERP, perspective uh, this is one way of forcing you to get to know the other tools that are out there on the power platform um, because it really visualizes the work and, and it gives you a way to say okay I know uh, what should we change if anything in this process um, and you get the data collection out of the box basically by using the, these uh, these tools um, so I'm going to spend some time getting to know this just for the fun of it. I don't, we don't, I don't work that much with warehousing right now, but um, the process itself seems um, pretty straightforward. And if you really run an actual warehouse in Dynamics, I suggest to look into it to see what you can leverage off it, uh, because not everything in the world is improved by fixing a slow running batch job. Some things are actually improved by changing how you work um, in the real world. Yes. Um, so do you have anything else or is it time for us to sign off and have summer holiday? Yeah, we haven't touched on finance here really, uh, but I, there wasn't that much to be honest, not underestimating the, the amount of work uh, done here, but uh, a lot of new financial tag capabilities coming. Uh, 
except for the e-invoicing, of course. But uh, from a financial general ledger perspective, I noticed some new areas are getting financial tags, and it it seems that they are being improved upon in every release. So um, if you haven't looked at financial tags yet, try to look into it now so you understand the differences between those and financial dimensions, and maybe you can resolve a specific scenario easier with financial tags than you would have done with financial dimension. So worth mentioning again. Uh, didn't, shouldn't we mention the service protection limits as well? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I actually stole that one from you. So it's it's a bit uh, sad that I didn't <laughs> mention it. Uh, yeah, so we've been talking about uh, API protection limits, which is uh, still in play. We are using them. We, we need to uh, understand them in order to build integrations between uh, our different environments. Uh, meaning that we have a rolling window of a maximum amount of, of API calls or things will just shut down. Um, I would also like to mention that, uh, and I don't think I mentioned this in the in the podcast before, but I know that I've been discussing it with Gustav, that there is actually a, an, a protection limit for, for a, resor- a resource protection limit. Yeah. Meaning that if you if you bog down the system enough, if the uh, memory on an AOS server uh, come becomes scarce, there is too little free memory and it mm-hmm. it uh, it's overworked, then you will actually get the exact same error message telling you that uh, you will have to come back later because this is not working right now. Yeah. So it is a bit confusing because it. It actually, it's actually, so if you Google the error message, you will actually come to the API protection limit, which gives you sort of a some false information. <laughs> but there is another, another limit, another protection limit in play here. So yeah, you need more to like understand. Base limit of resource. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Uh, <clears throat> and then we've actually talked about something called user-based service protection API limits. Uh, which are uh, based on user information rather than on on integrations and API limits. But that one is actually being removed. So that was supposed to come into play in, uh, I would say, 33 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It was then said that this is not going to happen. And now it's actually, Microsoft is actually rolling this back yeah. uh, and and telling everyone that this is not coming. This is not being turned on by default and it's actually being removed and deprecated from the product. So this is a feature that was supposed to come in in 33, but which was actually canceled before it came out. Yeah, and the question is why? Maybe some explanation will come. Hopefully the, the bare mentioning of it scared everyone into building better patterns, perhaps. <laughs> and they saw that and it was like, oh, no. Not very likely. No, <laughs> not very likely, no. Uh, but, but I'm hoping, that, I mean, it can scare. Uh, but I mean, if you build it correctly, it shouldn't really have an implication. But of course, yeah, I can see scenarios where this will absolutely prevent your business. So um We'll see. Maybe we'll get an explanation on it. But that doesn't mean you should build bad patterns <laughs> because you can get away with it. It just means that, uh, well, now you won't be hitting a hard limit um, if you do. But hopefully you'll get a warning. Uh, but in the end, you will hit the resource limits because they are platform-based. They are like um, infrastructure-based. You can't 
You can't work around it in the same way as you can't defeat gravity. <laughs> and with that, I think it's time to actually take a summer vacation. <laughs> Makes sense. Yes. Have a nice summer, uh, everyone. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.